One of the moments we knew we had some good systems is Graham and I went on a trip <laughs> to America for a month and we didn't check in. We didn't know what was going on, but we came back and our school grew. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. It is George Free from MartialArtsMedia.com and welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast, episode number two. This episode is part two of the interview with Graham McDonnell and Phil Britton from the WA Institute of Martial Arts, also the Institute of Martial Arts and a whole string of other businesses that's probably not applicable to this podcast. And of course, this podcast is based on the success story of their martial arts school, the WA Institute of Martial Arts. So in this episode, we're just going to dig deeper. We are going to, the, I, I think this is where the real meat of the interview kicks in. This is going to go deep into just different type of systems, different approaches of how you can approach your school, modeling other business models, ditching your ego, doing things a little differently, maybe not making yourself as the grand hero of your school, making the popularity of your school dependent on your systems and the actual training module instead of you being the centerpiece that holds it all together. And this is what's going to allow you to really step away from your business and make it run like a well-oiled machine as such. If you haven't listened to part one of this interview yet, head over to martialartsmedia.com forward slash one. So that's the number one. And the interview is there. You can also download the PDF transcription or just read it on the actual page, and that'll get you up to date before jumping into this interview. For this interview and for all others, you can go to the episode number, so martialartsmedia.com forward slash the episode number, this one will be number two, and that'll have all the transcripts available also for you to download as a PDF. So once again, introducing Graham McDonald and Phil Britton from the WA Institute of Martial Arts. Okay, so... Strong foundation. So, yeah. so you guys come in, you, you get a strong foundation, you put your identity in, and you pretty much just, what I hear here is almost like the apple of martial arts, you know, <laughs> you know the whole unboxing, of, you know, because it's an experience. Yep. So, you know, your, your goal is that from a person walks into the door to when they leave, that there's a, there's a sort of a wow experience yep. happening, that it's not just about, I'm here to train. Which I think maybe maybe that's a key thing that a lot of people are missing. Yeah, um, you know, it's the whole experience. It's walking the door, the parents that are assisting the the kids, bringing them in. Yep. So it's 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 the whole system, yep. not just the actual class that's happening. Yeah. So so that's 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 obviously a key part of your growth. Hmm. But what else did you do beyond that? So you got the foundation, you put your identity in, you you've really optimized the experience for all your members. What did you do beyond that to double your membership base? Well, you know, we just again looked at all the we looked at all the stock standard type marketing and you know things that all the martial arts schools do and you know we knew what worked what didn't and you know one of the biggest things that that any martial arts school and if there's anyone out there who has any uh, uh 
uh, conflicting statistics, but I dare say they don't. One of the biggest ways that people get students in is for through referral. And that's always, ever since the day that we started together to today, is always the biggest way. And that's why we said, you know, what was that whole sort of the, the main thing was about delivering amazing classes, wow experiences, um, but we needed to do this not by modelling other martial arts schools, is that we looked outside our niche and we did look at Apple and we did look at McDonald's, you know, like how, how does McDonald's run staff and systems so that, you know, and one adult has to be there to run the, the whole thing, you know. Uh, Starbucks in America, you know, we, we, we just looked way outside on what other businesses did and were doing to be successful and then see how we could introduce that into our into our business and that's really how we grew i think exponentially with uh, referral based type stuff and there you know there are amazing there's an immense amount of things that you can do i mean this podcast is probably not going to be long enough to listen <laughs> all, but there's still the not you know, not neglecting the external stuff that you need to do because you know you've got to open the funnel up so you know all, all the things that you need to do externally in your business to be able to uh, uh, be uh, show the awareness to the wider community of your niche, your business, and why why you do and what you do. Jules, there's something else that Phil uh, sort of touched on, and, and something we did in the early. We got rid of our ego. We didn't know everything. We didn't claim to know everything, and we didn't care that we didn't know everything. We actually were we were probably in in a benefit that we'd we'd started this business and realised, well, we need to learn about business. And then started to model off of different uh, different business model types, and, and start just educating ourselves, and really trying to grow and, and, and pick up on on information. So I certainly know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people I've dealt with, you know, all across the world. That sometimes get stuck on they need to present an image that they need to be the the grand guru of absolutely everything. You know, look, people don't really give a rat. They like you to be real, and sometimes in business, it's it's all about going. Okay, cool. We that didn't work too well. We need to explore something different, and, and knowing when you've made a mistake or a failure in something, but it's not a failure; it's just a learning point. And cool, next time around, I'll, I'll redo it. And I think what we did is we we tried everything. We tried it. You know, we just didn't sort of limit ourselves to just doing your your advert and the paper, or back in the day, yellow pages, which was um, around back then. You know, but but it was just like, all right, cool. We're going to give it a go. Why not? Why not? People go, you can't do that. It's not normal. Well, why the hell not? Why can't we do that? You know, just bugger that. You know, we're going to do it. So sit back and watch us. And we did, and we and we took that on board. And we we've had a lot of uh, a lot of people from from the sidelines, business owners, and other sort of martial artists, sort of criticise. Oh, you know, you guys are selling out the system. But really, our drive was to empower our students, make them better, um, reach a larger audience, and really transform them through our wow customer service and that community so you know one thing we knew that we had a really great environment that when they walk in they would be blown away but how then do we reach a bigger audience and we just didn't just didn't stick to doing the normal stuff we we broke the mold i think just quickly just as graham's saying that and it comes up quite regularly when we're dealing with our coaching clients it's like you know, we all grow up in this world of being martial artists and more often than not we have degrees in martial arts but we don't have degrees in business. You know, you're talking to two high school dropouts here. Graham can hardly spell his name and I can't, I can't, I can't count, you know. Like, so between us, we're okay. <laughs> That's probably why we work so well. But at the end of the day, you don't, you know, you, you need to understand like Graham's saying, saying you don't have to be... You don't have to be the best at everything. You just have to go, I am who I am. Now, who can I learn from to get to the next level? Yeah. 
And that's what it's at. It's like you might not have the business degrees, but someone else does. So go search out for that environment. Go search for that model, that person who's getting the (coughs) success you want, whether it's marketing or retention or whatever, and see what they're doing and model their behavior, model their strategies, their mindsets, their beliefs, and, you know, the, the rewards will be amazing. George, you're going to have to cut us off a certain thing because as, as he talks, I think of something different. About oh, oh, it. <laughs> but, 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 you know, we touched on it before. Like we invested a lot back into our schools and, and, and a big part of that was education. Education for ourselves. That wasn't necessarily for the benefit of us. It was to, to better, better reach our, our students and be able to have a, a better product and whatnot. So... We spent a hell of a lot of time and resources investing in learning. And as Phil pointed out, we certainly didn't know a lot. So we would, we would invest in coaches to keep us accountable. We would learn this, we would learn that and, and surround ourselves with people who are uh, experts in their field. People come to us because we're an expert in martial arts. They may be an expert in something else, but we certainly went, right, who can we help with our, our marketing or branding or a vision? Uh, what about our, um, computer systems and so on and so forth. So that was something that we were always willing to do. Instead of paying ourselves an additional income, we go, bugger that, that money that we've got as a surplus now is back into investing in it. And, you know, I, I believe that we, the, the, the best investment you can possibly make in this world is in yourself. And if you can upskill yourself and upskill your, your knowledge, man, you, it'll pay dividends down, down the track. That, that's a big obstacle just in any business and one you just addressed where, there's this whole do it yourself you, you've got to transition from doing mm. everything yourself yeah. and then putting the ego aside and realizing okay i obviously can't do all this i've got to get some help with that mm. and and you mentioned you know a lot of people said that you're selling out the system and yep. so forth why do you think people are saying that and, and i mean you do coaching for martial arts yep. schools as well yeah. so i guess that's a that's got to be the, one of the biggest hurdles of people got to come over mm. uh, mentally and emotionally of you know, look, look, I said fear. Fear is one of those things, and and um, you know that's how it used to be done. You know, like anything that sometimes comes in new is always ridiculed. It's always like, oh, you know, you know, your witchcraft or this and that, the other. It's, look, we we just didn't care. You know, we just didn't care that they thought that was a sellout because we knew, and we still have it. We still have people think, you know, that the throw the phrase around McDojo's and this and that, and the other. And I'm like, guys. We are a professional organisation and we can provide a professional service. Therefore, we have better students. Why wouldn't you want to be better? You don't have to run yourself out of a, a dingy shed in a school hall and think you're a diehard martial artist. If anything, you're doing them a disservice by not providing the best quality possible. So we just went, bugger it. We're, we're going we're gonna to break the mould and test it out. But there's a lot of it is ego and fear. Ego to sort of prove to themselves that they don't know everything. And I know that... Uh, from a martial arts perspective, myself, I feel always, always enjoy going into a new class or whatever it else and putting on a white belt and just being that beginner and have no issues at all with somebody going, but you've done this for forever and you're a white belt. Yeah, man, we're always learning. There's a lot of people out there that don't do that. They've stopped learning and they're a fear, fear of being able to expose themselves of going, well, I actually don't know everything. So fear and ego is probably the big one and also not knowing where to start or who to ask, who, who to get the help from. And, um, you know, that, that's just a couple of things I've certainly noticed over the, the few years now that uh, we've been consulting and coaching and helping out. Let's jump up a notch, right? So we've addressed all these obstacles and hurdles and, you know, you grow the school where we are at now yep. in Greenwood. You reach a point where before you, before you got the second one, before mm-hmm. you opened the second school, 
How many students were you at? Can you recall? Was it about 800? No, I think it was probably about the 700 yeah. mark, about the 700 mark there that um, we we thought. Uh, in all honesty, it was like, right, it was, it was more of a system check, a system test. If we can do it this, and we, <clears throat> excuse me, we can grow a school to 700 and we were operating well. Let's test our systems. Let's test the model. Again, Phil, Phil mentioned that, you know, we look at different companies and go, right, how do they scale their business? How do they replicate this so that it is, um, you know, it can work on the other side of the world or it can work in a different area completely? So we thought, right, let's, let's really start from the top down and make sure that we check every system that if someone was to walk into a brand new space, they could operate a Wayma school by just following the recipe. And that was something that we, we thought, right, let's, let's make sure we've got everything locked down first and foremost, and let's give it a shot. I, I also think that you know, we got to a certain point in success in our business, right? Uh, and the, the two of us did a great job. We, you know, we had you know, cars through the business, we had staff, in it, and it's sort of like, well, what next? You know, like we could just keep doing what we're doing and be comfortable, or we could try and push the boundaries. And I think in a, a, a conversation, Graham, and I did have at some point in that journey was like um, almost a challenge to ourselves. Like, oh, <laughs> did we get to this point because we took over an existing business? Yeah. And I was like, right. hmm, let's challenge ourselves. Are, are we as good as we think we are? Or, you know, are our systems <laughs> as good as we, you know, have we got to this point because of us or was it because of the kickstart we got? And it was a challenge to us and almost, to, you know, not that it's a, to prove anyone wrong, but it, it was a little bit. It was like, to show the, the naysayers or the guys who've been in the business 25, 30 years and still only have 120, 200 students who have put their nose up at us and going, you know, oh, that, you know, they, they just took over a school and that's why, you know, all that sort of stuff. So we're like, no, we're at a point. Let, let's, let's test our system. Let's test our knowledge. Let's test our ability. Let's test everything that we've got done to get to this point and let's start up a brand new school. You know, I, I, I start up a fresh school. My challenge was 100 students in a year. We got that. And I thought, you know, that's pretty darn good. And so we challenged ourselves to double that for our new school in Currambon. And uh, I think we did 250 members. It was, um, it was uh, close to 312 months. And from an income value, and I know this is just, just for the guys out there, it was close to $750,000 we made in the first uh, first year. Turnover. So, turnover. So the, the idea behind it was we didn't just get the students in by having $10 a month fees it was we were charging a premium um top dollar so quite expensive in in the the stock standard uh, view of martial arts pricing we we think it's actually quite cheap but you know others look at that and think otherwise but for for 300 members in 12 months and and an income of that it really did validate that okay we've got something and we we certainly have not sacrificed on being a belt factory not sacrificed on on making sure it's all about the money because money was irrelevant it just happened to be that we focused on the client and really making sure that we surpassed their their needs. Put them first, and the rest will follow. And that that was a that was a huge thing. But it was really nice to know that we were able to create this. We had a manager run the school from day one. Uh, myself and Phil were guests in the school, so we'd walk in. It wasn't something that we had to drive ourselves. And it was nice to look back after the twelve months and think, wow, you know, the systems are working. The the, the staffing's working. You know, we, we definitely pressure test our systems on a regular basis to make sure they're not, um, you know, they're, they're up to standards because, hey, look, if you don't maintain things and you think they're okay, three years ago it may have been okay, but now things may have changed. So it's all about making sure you maintain those uh, systems and the way you approach things. 
What are those key systems? Like you keep on referring to to the systems that you that you've implemented. What what can you give a bit more information? Goodness, you got you got hours or what? <laughs> I, I guess just briefly. Like let's say I'm I'm a martial arts school owner yep. and and I'm I'm toying with the idea of how do I how do I do what you guys did? How do I open that second? I'll, I'll, I'll raise a red flag uh, first for any of the guys out there who are thinking of going from one school to two schools. <laughs> um, it's tough. It's not easy. But most people fail because as the school owner of one school wants to open up another one, they open it up and then they go in back in the business and they work really, really hard. It's like they're back to square one again. And they've got to build it up and it's all on their own back. And what we're getting at is we didn't start our second school until we had the right instructor to run it without us. So we didn't have to jump back in and be like, you know, you know, trillion of hours a week to get that business to operate. And we also didn't start that second school until we worked on all the systems, as Graham was saying. You know, um, Graham's written down here a couple of things. You know? So the system systemization of your marketing, the systemization of your enrollments from inquiry to, to the inquiry to the join-up. And all the statistics that go in there, so the stats, you've got your curriculum, like your lesson plans, like so, so that theoretically Joe Bloggs off the street can come in and as long as he knows what a left hand and right hand is, it should be descri- described well enough so that anyone can come in and, and pick up where you left off. Uh, and your staff training as well. So, I mean, and within those sort of things that we're talking about with systems, man, there's, there's systems within systems within systems. Sure. And when it comes to stats in particular, we may have thousands of types of ways of, of, of um, reading the statistics. But in actual fact, your school really probably should have about a magic five. I mean, take, for example, flying an aeroplane. You know, you know, if anyone's seen the cockpit of a big plane, there are a lot of dials, a lot of switches, right? But I dare say there's probably five that are really, really, really important. You know, the fuel, the altitude, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not a pilot, but you get what I'm saying. And if... if is if you're going to start a business, you want to make sure that your magic five, we have the five, magic five that we work on, that if those statistics, if you're reading them right, if they're scaling well, if you're improving these five things, your business will consistently grow. But to go from one school to a second school, you one need, I would, I would, I would say, and I would argue, people might argue this, but I would say you want to already have your instructor team ready. Mm-hmm. To start that straight away, yep. you want to have some capital ready to go to be able to sustain or a year worth of the wages and the marketing that needs to happen there. So do you need to get a loan out? Do you need to remortgage your house like you did for your first business? All those sort of things. Do you have cash in the bank? I don't know. And you have to have your systems down. So your, your one school needs to be running so systematically without you that you can then run another school without you as well. Hmm. So your first test is really your own school and seeing... It. You know, are you able to go on a two-week holiday and come yep. back and everything? Yeah, could, couldn't, couldn't agree more, George. And I know that uh, if someone was to, to walk in here or even had a helicopter view of sort of the Wayne organisation, they would just think, "Oh my goodness, what a, what a what a a complex machine." But realistically, it all started from simple systems, and then then we just built up on that and built up on that and built up on that. And again, we've really tried to make sure we take the guesswork out of it. Uh, we, we've had plenty of plenty of people in the past ask how do we how do we get to this point well we what we wanted to do is we wanted to really think about we need to take what's in our head and get it out and put it into a place that's digestible for our team and that is something that's important that it's not not just from the mind of us and it's something that's really easy to follow yes we can review and refine as you go forward 
But if your team don't know where we're heading, you know, and it's not easy to follow, it's going to make some real challenges for you. So that's what I said. Just simplistic systems can build on to being complex down the track. Yeah. I'll just say this because, George, could you just um, brought up a, an actual reality fact? It was one of the moments we knew we had some good systems is Graham and I went on a trip <laughs> to America for a month and we didn't check in. We didn't know what was going on, but we came back and our school grew. And for us, that was like a tip of the hat, high five. Like if we can leave our business for a month and in that trip, we went to America and we saw martial arts schools, you know, we educated ourselves and brought some stuff back. But if we, if our schools could grow within a, with a month without us, then we feel, if we felt that our systems and procedures were fairly well nailed down, that our staff could, could run that shit without us. Did you ever feel the need? Do you have to check in? Oh, look, you know, when I, when I say that we didn't check in, you know, we, we have a system called end-of-day reports. So at the end of each day, all our managers will report to us on their school. All the managers' employees will report to them. So we just see the managers' uh, reports. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, they will send our reports. So, yeah, look, I, I will lie and, and say there were some early mornings where, you know, the time difference in America where we would just flick through the end-of-day reports and make sure everything's all right and go a thumbs up or, hey, don't forget this type of thing. But... Essentially, we didn't, you know, we didn't have much input in that four weeks, and that was really a a, a lesson or a time, point in time where we went, we went, we're ready. George, just just uh, there was a a question I asked one of our, well, a couple of our sort of key managers who run the sort of eight hundred plus school, and, and asked them, you know, you know, how how do we get to this point? How do you now run a multi million dollar school? And they just go, you know, what did we do for you that that got you here? What what sort of what did we do? Because sometimes we question like. Sometimes we do things automatically that you look back on later and think, how do we get to this point? And we asked them. And they said, the fact that you trusted that we could do it, you believed that we could do it. And by the fact that you let us run your company with the belief that we could do it, and if we failed or made a mistake, it was okay. Because part of the learning lesson, I was like, wow, that was, that was really powerful for them to be able to go, wow, they trust in our judgment to make the right decision. We didn't micromanage them. And therefore, as we've grown as schools, we're there similar to what like a, a parent would do when you first teach your kid to ride a bike. You let them fall a little bit. You dust them off. You pick them back up, push them on again. And before you know it, they're riding by themselves doing wheelies and, and having a great time. Same, same with this. You know, we're not reckless in, in pushing a manager forward and pushing them up to the plate. We're there to support them, but we also want them to experience both the highs, the lows, the scuffs, the, you know, the injuries that go with it and, and chat about how they handled it rather than trying to run in and save the day. So that was, that was a really interesting point too that they brought up, which is cool. All right, cool. So trust, and I just want to emphasize that, yeah. trust and allowing mistakes. Yes. You know, not being the, with a hammer on the head every time something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. The trust to do Look, the Phil, Phil's got a great approach and we do this very much as well too. Whenever we, we deal with our team and they've got certain results, we ask the question, why? Why did this happen? You know, and then, them to explain the decision-making process. And then we'll offer some advice towards you. Look, if it was me in that situation, I probably would have done ABC. Great that you guys gave it a crack. Well done. You've learned from that. If it arises again, now you've got the education sort of process. So uh, they may make a slightly different decision. Rather than jumping in and, don't get me wrong, we're not going to let them do things that are critical that, that you go bankrupt, but enough that they can you know, learn from experience. And, and really, if you think about it as a, as a human being, what makes you a person is the experiences that you have, both the good and the bad. So if someone's there and only shields you and only gives you the good, well, what happens when you get the bad happen? And I guarantee there's going to be ups and downs in every part of life. So as a, as a key business owner and a manager, 
um, someone running your school, you've got to allow them to deal with the, the challenges. You've got to allow them to deal with the headaches and see how they handle that. But know that they're not hung out to dry. They're not there by themselves. So we're, we're there in the background to guide if it's required. Okay, great. So for, um, so for staff, right, so behind your instructors, who's the, who's the first person you employed behind actual full-time instructors? Wow, okay. Thinking, thinking back now, look, we, we did definitely have a their, – their position has changed, but someone who was definitely more in the administration role behind the scenes. You know, our instructors are extremely capable at their strengths – and that is teaching awesome classes. But when it comes to you know, processing of agreements or, or dealing with creditors of stock, uh, dealing with um, uh, billing companies and all the rest, we, we had somebody that was really quite skilled in that area. So they were a, a nine to five job, whereas our, our martial arts instructors are almost like a 12 p.m. start till nine o'clock at night sort of start. So uh, you've got the, you know, the engine room where they're working the numbers and the mechanic in there just dealing with that. And then you've got the guys who are... Uh, you know, out the front having a having a good time, just just pumping those great classes, which is really what uh, what we're doing. So I, I dare say it's probably more that um, that full time admin person was probably one of the first ones. It's obviously built from that, but they they did certainly handle a, a little bit more in that role. Mm. Okay, so now I don't want to give away all your secrets, right? <laughs> but you, you have you 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 guys are basically grooming instructors from the get go because yep. you have a fantastic leadership program. And I know, you know, my son's 10 years, he's just turned 10. And it's something he's been talking about for the past two years in his martial arts journey. Yeah. That, of course, 10 years old is sort of the benchmark where he can mm-hmm. yep. enter the leadership program. Yep. So can you elaborate a bit more on your leadership program? And what is it that's, how's it sort of ingrained in the system that the kids are so excited to really step up that journey of, of becoming instructors? Yeah, before I'll let Graham talk more about that because he's he's in there doing that more. But what I will say before we get to that point is that there was a key point in the growth of our business where we realised for the if we wanted to grow, we had to step aside mm. because even though there's two of us, there's only a certain amount of classes, a certain many hours in the day, and what most martial arts business owners fall into the trap is that they become the only person that can run their classes and their school. It becomes a personality-driven, so people come there just for them. And if someone else taught that class, they'd probably leave. So we, you know, when we first took over, we, we, we branded our school. It was the Phil and Graham <laughs> show. Our faces were on the walls. You know, it was all Phil Graham, Phil Graham, Phil Graham, which is great. But for long-term growth and for us to get to the position we are today, that had to change. So the photos went down. It wasn't then talking about Phil and Graham. It was us empowering our instructors more. It was putting them on a pedestal and saying, you know, we're just a step behind them. We're pushing them going, these guys are the face of our business, you know. To some degree, you know, people will still come for our culture and our our ethos uh, and, and all that sort of stuff, you know. We will still push that, but we needed to take a step back. We needed to remove ourselves from classes little bit by little bit and put our guys out and when we're walking through the 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 school talking to someone we say look at andrew you know look at brie look at look at our instructor there haven't they grown so much aren't they amazing how well are they dealing with your child or how's your training grown since they've been in your class and it gets the clients thinking yeah they're amazing they're amazing and eventually they sort of forget about us a bit 
And yes, they see us as the owners and, and run the business and sort of steer the ship. But it's that whole stepping out. Um, but in saying that, when we did that early on and we focused on who can we have to step in, we fell into another trap that a lot of martial arts school owners have, and that's we need instructors, let's look at the black belts. And we all know if you haven't identified your instructors by black belt, they're probably not the right personality. And that's where I'll let sort of Graham talk about what we hire on versus De- uh, skill level. Okay, I'm going to pause that right there. Next week, we'll continue the conversation with Phil and where Graham left off, talking about what's the one key thing that new instructors must have before they hire them. And the answer is probably going to surprise you. We're also going to talk about what it means to really make a difference in your community, cost versus investment. Are you charging too little? This is a topic that comes up a lot about prices and are you charging too much, too little? And are you just entering a price war where people are really just... Students are shopping for price. Well, here's a great little exercise you can do with your students to justify that cost investment rather in their martial arts education. So that's it for this episode. You can head over to martialartsmedia.com forward slash two. So that's the number two, martialartsmedia.com forward slash two. And we have all the transcriptions there of the show. So if you want to download them and If you can, I'd very much appreciate it if you can head over to iTunes. There's a link on this episode. If you go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash two, there's a link to iTunes. If you can head over and leave us a great review, five-star review would be much appreciated. It helps us get our show up in the ratings and get the message out there to other martial arts school owners. So that's it for now. Thanks again. I'll chat to you next week. Cheers. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.